Welcome to the Swike Podcast, the only podcast that shares the stuff you didn't know you needed to know about jobs, careers, and life. The Swike Podcast, the stuff I wish I knew earlier. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Swike Stuff I Wish I Knew Earlier podcast. We're here with one of our new guest hosts, Lisa Langley, and she comes to us with a background in education and hospitality and a whole bunch of other things, and we'll get into her, her, her journey. So, uh, Lisa, how are you doing? I'm good. I'm good. I'm happy to be here. Thanks for inviting me. Sounds good. So why don't we start off a little bit about uh, you and what you're doing right now, if you can tell a little bit, uh, tell the audience what you're doing at, at this moment. Sure. So right now I am a senior consultant, talent development at Toronto Metropolitan University, formerly Ryerson. (laughs) It's a mouthful. Um, But what it is in general is I'm focused on employee development and I organize a lot of programs for staff to participate in things like career development programs, Uh, leadership development programs, orientation programs for leaders currently. Uh, We are also uh, in the second phase of the university committing to a hybrid work environment. And so uh, I'm working on program program elements to support uh, staff as they work in this new hybrid world. Not so new now, but (laughs) <laughs> you know, continuing to support everyone as we make the transition to this way of working. For sure. We're getting used to it. So it's basically working in the university, but less for the students and more for the people that support all of the students uh, there. So so that's amazing. So uh, I'd love to rewind and go back to you as a kid. So what were you like growing up? What are was uh, Lisa uh, as a kid? Uh, what made Lisa Lisa as she was kind of figuring things out uh, there? So uh, how are you like as a kid? People that know me as a kid would say I was a very good student, I was a very good girl, I listened to my parents, I did what, you know, uh, things were expected of me. Uh, I would say people had high expectations of me because I did so well in school. I, I liked studying, I liked reading, I learned how to read when I was two. Um, yeah, I, I think something about school really worked for me now that i'm older i can probably say it was the structure being in a supportive environment learning new things um but it it really worked i i liked playing i had an imagination so i liked to write stories uh play outside with my friends all summer long just thinking about that recently Uh, and playing you know imaginary games like house (laughs) <laughs> or uh, things that would require playing roles. Okay. So it sounds like you're a pretty uh, creative person um, writing stories. Did you ever have any, like, published or anything, or is, or is winning any competitions, or is it just more for yourself? Yeah, more for myself. So, sounds good. So, so growing up in that, uh, what were some of the influence along the way? So so parents, family, because you ultimately got into to education and there was a stint in hospitality and things like that. So what were some of the influences along the way that, that led you to that route? Were, were there other uh, teachers, parents, educators, or stuff like that around? Yeah, so very interesting. My, my family's from Jamaica. Mm-hmm. And when 
they were growing up, there were predominantly two things that women became, nurse or teacher. <laughs> so based on my academic achievement, I think many people in the family, including my parents, thought I would become a teacher or go into teaching. And I, I kind of thought I, I would do it as well, except when I got into high school. Hmm. And I observed how some of the students treated teachers. Hmm. And I thought, wow, it's, I, I wouldn't want to deal with that as a teacher, having to deal with disrespect or, you know, people who don't want to be there. I, I really had an issue with, you know, having to navigate on a daily basis behaviors of people who didn't want to be there. And that was a decision point where I realized this might not be for me. That decision was confirmed when my favorite teacher um, in high school, Mr. Davis, he was a history teacher. Everyone loved Mr. Davis. Okay. Uh, I had spoken to him about, you know, what I would want to do after high school. And uh, I told him I was thinking about being a teacher. And he said, no, don't do that. I was <laughs> okay. like, oh. And he said, no, you're too smart. You can do many other things. You should, you should go into business. And I was like, okay. okay. I didn't really know much about going into business and I didn't know what being too smart for education really meant, but <laughs> I did respect his opinion. And I thought that, you know, sometimes people can see things in you that you don't see in yourself because you don't know. Right. So, I did value his opinion and um, it validated my thought around, yeah, I don't think I want to be a teacher. For sure. And it goes to show the opinion of, of one person, an influential person, usually a mentor, someone um, in this case, Mr. Davis, a teacher, uh, can, can turn the trajectory of, of, of your life, right? So I, I think that's amazing. So as you were go kind of going through that journey, um, everybody else was thinking that you would be a teacher, um, but Mr. Davis said otherwise. So what, what were the conversations like there? What, were other folks pretty open to you going into the business world or, or other things? Or how did those conversations go? Yeah, I never had you know, at that point in my life, I never had anyone discourage me. I, I wouldn't say that someone said, you know, don't do that. That's not you. I think people trusted my ability to figure out what I wanted to do. But I do have to say that how I ended up in business is kind of random and yeah, um, not the most intentional thing that you would expect. So in high school, um, my best friend, when we were deciding uh, what we were going to do after high school, um, she said she was going to do business. And I thought, well, she's smart and I'm smart, so I should probably do business too. So I kind of made that choice based on my best friend's decision. And uh, I remember in a, I think an OAC grade 13 math class, you know, someone talking about a business program at the university I ended up going to, Wilfrid Laurier, because either her friend or her sister was doing the program. And I remember hearing her talking about it and I was like, that sounds kind of interesting. So I kind of took a gamble and it worked out pretty well. <laughs> Sounds good. And your your best friend did, did she ultimately go to the same university too, or was is Not it just the same the, university? The she went to U of T and did commerce, and I went to Laurier and I did business administration. Cool. And if you were to kind of reflect back on that decision, were there any other 
piece of advice that you'd give to uh, young Lisa as she was uh, going through that or uh, things turned out pretty well? Yeah, so young Lisa, I think what I would have said to her is um, try to ask more questions and <laughs> try to, you know, follow your curiosities and see if there's somebody that you can meet that might be doing something interesting. Because I feel like at that time, and it, it probably is similar, but probably better now because we have better access to information. Mm -hmm. um, but at that time, I think guidance counselors couldn't equip you for the world of work that was evolving. So, you know, the traditional careers were available, but to, to you know, talk about what a training manager does or to talk about what a data analyst does I don't think people were being guided in those directions at that time. So it would be trying to figure out who I could meet and who I could talk to to help shape what I wanted to do. Sounds good. So you ultimately did a business degree. And, and when you started there, like, what did you think you'd be doing? Because business is still a large domain, right? There's so many different areas of it. Was there a particular area that you gravitated towards? Or was it kind of like, no, this is my opportunity to explore or, or something different? Yeah, so in the, the first year, there was lots of opportunity to explore. So you had to take um, a standard business course in the first and second term, if I recall correctly. And that gave you an overview to the different components of business. And I think that was really helpful. At the same time, I was taking things like calculus and I was taking sociology, psychology. I was taking uh, a variety of different courses, which I think is really helpful when you're so young and trying to figure out what do I want to do. <laughs> Sounds good. And then it how wasn't did you until second year when we started doing a deeper dive into, you know, finance and accounting and marketing um, and human resources where I discovered, okay, out of everything, I think human resources is closest to what I like to do and what my skills are. And talk to us a little bit about that, uh, like identification of, oh, I, this is, this sounds like it, it's for me, or this feels like it's for, is it really just like a feeling that, that you had, or was there uh, maybe another influential Mr. Davis type of thing <laughs> that, that uh, you encountered, or were there other things at play? Uh, so I can remember uh, in, the very first day of my human resources class, uh, the professor said, most of you think that human resources would be good for you if you like people and you like, you know, building relationships with others, but actually human resources is a science and requires a lot of, you know, data and, um, uh, policy and all of that stuff that I, I was not aware of. I was more of, yeah, I think I'm a nice person and I like people and I want to help people. Um, but that did not deter me from, you know, wanting to learn more about what it actually is. And uh, the more that I learned about it, I, I thought it was really interesting because it's people who are working and learning about all of the rules that govern work and, um, what's involved in maintaining a workforce. So it became interesting the more I learned about it. 
Uh, I knew when I took accounting, for example, that that was not for me. Uh, I just, you know, did my best to meet the requirements, but uh, marketing was interesting, but human resources was probably more interesting to me at the time. Sounds good. Yeah, a lot of folks have that uh, perception where you love people and all that sort of stuff. So I, I like how you mentioned that. Well, actually, there's a lot more to it. And that scientific approach with data and things like that are, are, is really starting to take hold where the, the field of like people analytics is starting to be uh, starting to grow a lot more as well. Um, so as you're going through your university experience, talk to us as you're approaching graduation. So you're ultimately going to go out into the workforce and things like that. How is the approach to kind of landing jobs and the areas that you were interested in getting into HR or wherever you ended up landing on, on first blush? Ah, so I should share that the program that I took had a co-op component. Gotcha. So while I was completing my degree, I got three work experiences in that were very valuable in helping me to clarify what I wanted to do. So by the time I graduated, I still felt the sense of I wanted to get into HR. However, I wasn't finding it so easy to get into HR without HR experience. So how, how was that uh, process? So you have a couple of um, co-op work terms, internships, which presumably gave you some sort of work experience, but not necessarily HR. And then how, how did you ultimately kind of navigate your way into the field or around the field and, and, and progress throughout your career? Okay, so it's kind of a long road. <laughs> um, so I graduated, I wasn't having success finding a job right away. So I worked with an agency that placed me uh, at um, Fairmont Hotels at the time. And my role was an administrative assistant. And it was a, another great organization that I got to work with. But I knew that being an administrative assistant wasn't uh, the long term path for me. Mm -hmm. And then there was actually a formative experience that happened. So uh, while I was there, uh, we had to uh, work on dismissing someone. Ah. And as part of that process, we engaged um, an organization to do the outplacement and be the one to support the person who is being dismissed. Mm -hmm. And that is when I realized, oh my gosh, I want to do that job. I want to be there for people who are losing their jobs. So I started to investigate what that would look like. And I found out there was a program at George Brown College called the Career and Work Counselor Program. Mm -hmm. And so I ended up leaving my position and doing a one-year program at George Brown in Career and Work Counseling. Mm -hmm. So that was another great program. And again, I was able to get some work experience. The first, um, the first, uh, position that I got was working in a nonprofit organization focused on internationally trained professionals. And then the second uh, placement that I got was working uh, with an executive search firm and doing resume and interview coaching for executives, executives in um, transition. 
So I did that, finished the program. I ended up landing a position back at the place where I did my first intern uh, placement. And while I was there, I connected with someone who had also done the program at George Brown. She was working in consulting and we connected and then there was a position available where she worked. I applied and then I ended up as a consultant in that organization. And my consulting was in career transition work. So I was helping people who were being laid off. Sounds good. So you actually achieved that goal in terms of where you wanted to be. And uh, if you were to kind of give advice for, again, young, young Lisa as she was either first entering the workforce, not necessarily getting the success that she wanted, and then maybe um, later on as she ultimately found that success, like what sort of advice would you have to, the, to, to young Lisa at those two different points? So the first advice that I would have given young Lisa is that your first job doesn't have to be your forever job. <laughs> it's really important to get, you know, some experience because you learn so much from the positions that you don't like and the environments that are not right from you, uh, mm -hmm. not right for you as much as the ones that you do like and are right for you. So you know, just because you don't get it right the first time doesn't mean it's final. I, I wish I had known that. Sounds good. And then ultimately, as you started progressing through uh, and you ended up getting into the role that you actually want to do, like what sort of advice would you have for yourself along that way? Uh, what would I advise? Uh, well, in that, in that first position that I landed doing exactly what I wanted to do, uh, I also had a vision for myself because I always like knowing what's next. And sometimes like, you know, in the days of your organizations would tell you what's next. Right. Uh, but, you know, as I started my career journey, you had to figure out yourself what was next. And that was, you know, part of my learning my job and, and learning what was happening in, in the overall economic environment and seeing what was happening. Uh, I felt that uh, the field that I was in, it was changing and I didn't know that long term would this be something that I could be doing for like 20 years. So um, I think I would advise myself at that point in time to be patient, but also keep your big picture in mind. Because I was impatient and frustrated that, you know, things were not happening as fast as I wanted them to. But you can be patient and have a big picture in mind and slowly work towards what you really want to do, whatever that might be. Sounds good. And, and now you're mostly in kind of the learning and development space and helping uh, people advance in their career. So what was the process to get into, into that world like? Okay. So in that position where I was helping people with their career transitions, I ended up doing a master's of education part-time. And because I started doing that master's part-time, I ended up transferring to another practice area in the consulting organization I was working in, in leadership development. So uh, in that position, I was designing and developing leadership development programs. And 
that's kind of what got me into the true space of um, learning and development uh, for people in their organizations. And I was able to bring that skill set when I left consulting and ended up in the hospitality company that I was working for. Sounds good. So this sounds like it's a case of having some sort of continuing education alongside that said, you know what, I want to be in this area. So let me uh, credentialize myself in, in the learning and development space and uh, uh, company. Can you switch me into that group <laughs> so that I can continue to, to do the work and add value to, to that? And then ultimately moving to, to different organizations uh, along the way. Um, and then from, from that back to hospitality, um, how how is that shift a little bit different? Because you were you started in hospitality, now you're back in hospitality, but in, in a quite a different role. How, how does that uh, kind of play out, or what are, what are some of the the commenta- commentary or, or lessons that you had along the way? Well, I would definitely say the the biggest thing that took place was me deciding to do my master's hmm. because the credential. Um, gave me credibility when I was working in the leadership development space. So if I had not done that, the transition to that practice area wouldn't have been possible. And then the experience that I got designing and developing leadership development programs, that's what I ended up doing in hospitality. So uh, that was the thread uh, through all of these experiences. Sounds good. So uh, it's it's a matter of starting somewhere and then developing yourself and growing yourself in a way so that you can come back and, and basically uh, perform at, at, at a different level in a different area uh, and kind of be doing what you want to be doing. And, and uh, walk us through kind of the, the, the latest few transitions, so back from hospitality and then up to where you are right now. It, it's kind of in a similar but but uh, capacity, but obviously in a different, different domain or different industry. Uh, no. Walk us through that, the, the last uh, leg of the journey. Okay, there's many steps, so I'll go through it fast. (laughs) So uh, I was working as director of learning and development, had a wonderful position, great team, great organization. It got acquired by a French company. Mm -hmm. Uh, The French company's headquarters were in Paris. So uh, to continue working with the organization in a global capacity, Paris would be in my future. So I decided to take that opportunity and I moved to Paris. I um, was an executive director of service culture development. Uh, While I was there, the organization was going through even more transition. Uh, My position was no longer available. I got promoted to vice president of service um, culture and transformation. I then uh, decided that was not a good fit for me. I also uh, met someone, so I decided to move to the Netherlands to pursue that. I moved to the Netherlands. It took a while to get sorted there. I was doing some freelance work. Uh, The freelance work, I realized, okay, I'm doing this work, but I'm doing it with uh, people in Canada and the US. Why am I in a different country and not meeting people of that country. So I needed to find a position that would give me more of a sense of community and what it's like to work in the Netherlands. I found a position at the university as an academic advisor for uh, bachelor data science students. Uh, As you know, the pandemic happened. Um, You know, I was away from family for quite a long time. Things were changing in my personal life. I decided to come back to Canada last year. 
and I took some time off to figure out, okay, what am I going to do back in Canada? Uh, while I was in the Netherlands deciding to come back to Canada, I was paying more attention to things that were happening. Uh, of course, uh, it impacted the entire world, but the George Floyd murder, um, the finding of the unmarked graves, the 215 unmarked graves in Kamloops, those were all things that were happening while I was away. And I was getting this feeling like I would be coming back to a different Canada and I wanted to be more exposed to all of these things that were just never on my radar before. I'm home, you know, deciding what I'm wanting to do. I'm reading the paper and I'm seeing all of these changes happening at Ryerson. I was like, wow, this is interesting. Um, you know, they're taking statues down and, you know, they're doing these consultations. So I was just reading about it. And then when I decided to, you know, reach out to my network and let them know I was back, one of the people I reached out to worked at Ryerson at the time. And I told him I was back, um, you know, I would be looking for contract opportunities. And he let me know that there was an opportunity. And I said, I'm, I'm not looking for a job. I just want to, you know, let my network know that I'm back. And he's like, yeah, but I think you should consider this opportunity. <laughs> and so I did. And so I ended up at Toronto Met. Sounds good. Thanks for, for that summary. I, I'm sure there's a lot of uh, deeper dives we can go to, like uh, moving to uh, Paris is, is definitely not uh, inconsequential. There's a lot, probably a lot of stories in there and then Netherlands as well, and then coming back. Uh, and uh, it, it probably speaks to uh, reaching out to your network that even though you aren't looking, you end up landing something. So, so those are important things. So uh, th thanks so much for sharing uh, your, your journey and uh, a lot of the important swike, the, the stuff I wish on you earlier along the way. So uh, I, I know you shared a couple where like your first job doesn't have to be your forever job. And even um, if you uh, are going through life, having that vision for yourself um, and that the networking pieces is obviously another one. Uh, are there other pieces of, of Swike or other recommendations you'd have for uh, young Lisa or the other young Lisas out there? Yeah, so the first one is around advice because you will get advice that you solicit and you will get unsolicited advice <laughs> as well. Yep. And I think one of the key things that I've learned is that Sometimes people give you advice, but it's not the right advice for you. Hmm. They might, you know, give you ideas on what they would do or what they have done, but they're not fully considering your context about what would work best for you. And I think that's always something important to remember when you're making decisions based on advice that you receive. Good to take it in, but also consider, is this the right thing for me? Um, in particular, I'm referencing when I decided to take a master's and pursue that, um, one of the pieces of advice I received was, don't do that. You don't need a master's to do this job. And I could have, you know, said, yeah, that's true. Like, why am I going to put myself through that trouble if I don't need to? But the number of doors that opened up for me for doing something that I felt would be right for me and that I wanted to do, it was the best decision that I made for myself. So keep that in mind. Um, the second one, I actually heard this uh, quite recently on um, Stephen Bartlett's uh, podcast, Diary of a CEO. And it really resonated for me. It was, if you believe what everyone around everyone around you believes that's probably not your belief <laughs> okay and 
I really, really liked that because, because it speaks to the experience I had moving abroad and recognizing, you know, you become accustomed to doing things a certain way or approaching things a certain way because that's the way that it's done. That's the way you've seen it done. But then you can enter a brand new environment and discover, wow, there are other ways of doing it and no one way is the right way. And you have to figure out once you get the exposure, like what's the right way for me? Because now you have a choice. You, you don't have to fall back on what's been given to you or that you just grew up in. You, you, you have a choice. And I think um, that's something that I'm paying a lot more attention to in my life, not just my career. Like, do I believe that because I believe that or do I believe that because everyone else around me believes that? Sounds good. What, what I took from those ones is a little bit of uh, kind of be, be true to yourself and figure out who you are, uh, where the first yeah. one on the advice part, like people might be recommending things, but it's, it's a data point, right? It was appropriate for them in, in their circumstances, in their experience. But you want to say, OK, does that apply to you in, in that circumstance? And you have to make that uh, take that critical thought and, and realize whether or not it, it, it's truly uh, for you. And, and the second part uh, about like other people's beliefs, that's that's quite interesting because uh, definitely it, it's one where people succumb to like groupthink and things like that. It's like, but do I actually believe that? Is that actually appropriate for me in my circumstance? So I think those are very good things to consider. And and the answer might be yes, right? Yeah. It might be that, that that's appropriate for you and you listen to what people say, but you want to make sure that, that it still resonates for you. So I think that's a great uh, words of advice to, to, to part on. And uh, if folks want to connect with you, Lisa, where could they con connect to you and, and reach out to you? And then what are yeah, some of your future uh, so aspirations later on? Okay, so if you want to connect with me, the best way is on LinkedIn. Um, you can go to linkedin.com slash ins slash Lisa J Langley. Uh, that's the most direct way to me. You can also search for me there. And future aspirations. Wow. I... I wish I could tell you something concretely, <laughs> but I want you to know that I am building my portfolio of experiences and I'm enjoying that process. And the most important thing to me is that I work with great people. I do interesting work and I do work that has impact. So as long as I'm doing things in the future that include those three requirements, I'm good. Sounds good. Sounds like that'll be an interesting portfolio of work to, to catch up with you later on in the future. So uh, thanks so much, Lisa, for sharing your, your thoughts, experience, and your swike. And hopefully we'll have you back for a future episode. Thank you, Lucky. I appreciate being here and for you taking interest in my journey. Take care. Thanks for joining us on the Swike Stuff I Wish I Knew Earlier, the podcast. If you like the podcast, please subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you found this podcast. And if you can give us a review, that would be very appreciated. Feel free to contact me on LinkedIn at Luki Danu, L-U-K-I-D-A-N-U, and the same on most social media platforms. And I look forward to hearing from you. Thanks. Bye.